Are we losing faith in Justin Fields? Are we buying into Mike Evans and Puka Nakua? It's time to give you our week two reactions to fantasy football as we begin another edition and another week of Locked On Fantasy Football. You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. Your destination to become the smartest fantasy football player league. We're part of Locked On Network, your team every day, your fantasy football team every day as well. I'm one of your co-hosts, Vinny Iredon. I'm not doing this. I'm writing about NFL fantasy and betting for SportingNews.com. And I'm Michelle Majuk. I'm a researcher at NFL Network and fantasy analyst at NFL.com. All right, Michelle, a lot of things happened again in week two, just like they happened in week one that uh, took us off guard and uh, maybe surprised us in a bad or good way. So that's what we do here every Monday. We give you our reactions here, and uh, we will do that, dive in first. Uh, We'll play a little game of bust or trust with uh, some guys that just uh, fell flat and whether we're going to trust them to rebound or believe that they actually might be a bust here going forward. And then... By ourselves, we're going to look at the guys that uh, did really well for our fantasy teams and see if we're believers and what they're doing. Then we'll take an early look at the waiver wires. So a lot of stuff to get to on today's show. So, Michelle, let's dive right into it. Uh, reveal kind of the quarterbacks that we're most worried about here in week two. Yeah, it's three guys that were going relatively early in fantasy drafts. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Joe Burrow kind of all being drafted around each other. We've had now two bad weeks. Trevor Lawrence, not so much two bad weeks, but week two is bad, right? He had zero touchdowns, only 216 yards. Week one was just meh. He put up 241s, two touchdowns, one interception against the Colts. Like we've seen now, he... Through two weeks, we've kind of had a game that I feel like he can put up regularly, but it's nothing too exciting. And then we've also seen his lows with Justin Fields. I mean, he needs to start running or his the pick for him. We're going to have to literally stop playing him in fantasy if he's going to run the ball four times, which he did in week two for just three rushing yards. He is not looking great this year. And at least to save his fantasy value, he needs to start running the ball more. And Joe Burrow, second straight week, not doing anything too great for fantasy. And now he's re-injured that calf muscle. Very worrisome there with him. Which one of these guys are you most worried about? I think I'm worried about Joe Burrow just because I don't know how bad this injury is. Justin Fields is still going to find his way to the couple touchdowns like he had. He actually finished only his QB 20. However, it was a very high scoring week for quarterbacks, unlike week one. So his uh, modest game was uh, way down there among the QB twos. We know Trevor Lawrence was buried way beyond that as well. He's going to have a lot of good matchups. There's a lot of favorable ones. I think I was surprised on how poorly they played against the Chiefs at home. So that's a little concerning, but Look, it's Trevor Lawrence. He's got a lot of weapons. We know he can put up the numbers, and they're going to come. So least worried about him. Justin Fields, medium worried. I don't think he's going to lose the starting job, but 
we'll see. I think this Bucks defense is way better than we think it is. I hope for a rebound against the Chiefs this week, uh, maybe a little bit more garbage production that can be had there like he had in week one against the Packers. Now, again, Burrow, going back to him, I just – not sure how healthy he is. I think he's gutting it and playing out there because the team needs him badly. It's not worked out, though. If, he, if he's not playing well at 60% or whatever he's at, it's going to be a detriment to his team. It's a detriment to his fantasy managers as well, expecting him to be the Joe Burrow that we know. And Jamar Chase has also been affected by this, right? Jamar Chase is not putting up big numbers yet either. So <clears throat> this is an ugly situation. I don't know if the Bucks can go – away from him they do get the rams who look a little bit more improved at least offensively defensively i think it's not a bad matchup at home here in week three so i would expect joe burrow tries to grind it out he has an extra week or an extra day i should say to prepare so that might get him right but i don't know if he's going to right be right until maybe he gets a little bit of rest during a bye week yeah, I, I'm definitely worried about Burrow. I would prefer, even if he does play this next upcoming week, like I'm too nervous to keep plugging him in until I see he's fully healthy out there. One guy that's not dealing with an injury but did have a holdout this offseason was Josh Jacobs, and now we're two weeks through, and he has 46 rushing yards on 28 carries through two weeks. He had nine carries for negative two yards in week. Two. Now, if you play in a full PPR league, he didn't destroy you because he did have five receptions for 51 yards. But, I mean, it hasn't been pretty through the first two weeks. Zero touchdowns so far. He has had three carries inside the five, so he's had some opportunities. Do we think it's just bad matchups? He gets the Steelers, Chargers, Packers next three games. Are we worried about Josh Jacobs? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of concern there because he was the guy. And uh, they also lost Devontae Adams to an injury during the game. Jacoby Myers didn't play. So you thought, okay, it's Josh Jacobs' time. Let's pound it. But the Bills' run defense is pretty good. I mean, although the Jets would say otherwise here with Brees Hall and some of the things that they had going on in week one. The game script became pretty bad. The Bills pulled away. And Jacobs just wasn't used much. And he was working on negative yardage for a while. It was like, what is this line? of Josh Jacobs, he's still at like minus two. This is just bad. So I think the Raiders are maybe seeing the effects of if you put too much of a workload on somebody and he had a ton of carries and catches last year, the next year is always difficult to recover. And that's what we're seeing here, I think, that to get that same type of effective volume is very difficult because that's why teams have gone to committee in that time to rest some of these guys. So We'll see. I'm not feeling so confident here. It's the Steelers uh, this week on Sunday night. I, I don't know. I, I just think this uh, Raiders team, if they don't have Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers has to miss another game. It's not going to get very pretty here with their offense overall. Yeah, I'm definitely worried about Josh Jacobs in this because there's clearly something underlying here. Like maybe the offensive line is worse or whatever, but I am starting to get worried about that type of inefficiency. Both of the Jets running backs this week had terrible, sure. terrible fantasy games. I mean, you would have been better off starting nobody other than besides Dalvin Cook because Dalvin Cook got you negative 0.3 points because of that fumble loss and he only had seven yards on the ground and then Brees Hall had four carries for nine yards he put up 0.9 points in fantasy is this just the Cowboys defense Brees Hall was very upset after game it seemed like he tweeted out a little tweet with four footballs pretty much meaning like how did I only get four carries in the game 
are we just throwing it away because of the defensive matchup against the Cowboys? Well, that is part of it, but I was a little bit disturbed with Nathaniel Hackett's play calling without Aaron Rodgers because this game was close for a while after that big, long touchdown by Garrett Wilson. And we thought, okay, this is not too bad. I mean, he's not getting a lot of balls here, but at least he's still making big plays and getting opportunities here with Zach Wilson. So, okay, not too bad. But where's Brees Hall? Let's get this other big playmaker going. I mean, he's another guy that can take him to the house uh, 60, 70 yards on a play with the speed and all that. So, it was just hard to watch, and I don't know, Nathaniel Hackett maybe does not work well with quarterbacks named Wilson. Maybe that's his kryptonite, and it's bad, and this is not very good. I didn't think it was uh, creative at all. They didn't try to figure out ways to make Zach Wilson comfortable, except here, throw to Garrett Wilson, and if he makes the catch and beats a guy, that's the play. And that seemed to be their only source of offense in this game. So I'm a little concerned overall. We thought Brees Hall might be okay, but uh, maybe Hackett is a little concerned in if he's not going to use Brees Hall in this type of game. So I, I don't know what to get or to think about when we look at the Jets going forward. I, I think Unfortunately, some of the fears without Rodgers are coming true here in a hurry. Yeah, it's not. And even Garrett Wilson himself, he only had two receptions. Just luckily, he brought one to the house with a good run after the catch. Just this Jets offense, unfortunately, it worries me all around. I'll still keep playing Brees Hall moving forward because that he's going to have more carries and his talent's so great. But Dalvin Cook, I really don't want any piece of moving forward two running backs that were drafted you know kind of around the same spots in this year's fantasy drafts Javante Williams and Alexander Madison so let's start with Javante Williams first 6.8 fantasy points and half PPR this in week two he didn't have a great week in week one I I don't trust Javante Williams he's only had one carry inside the 10-yard line I just don't think he doesn't ever get enough workload He's sharing the backfield with P. Ryan and then even got the rookie to steal a touchdown away from him this past week. I, I don't trust Javante Williams in my lineups. Yeah, it's hard. I don't know what the Broncos are quite doing here. I mean, you have Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Then Marvin Mims makes two big plays. You have Brandon Johnson making two big plays. Jaleel McLaughlin gets in the game and falters a touchdown. I, I don't know. Sean Payton just trying to go – like mad scientists and just experiment and like, I'm going to turn everyone into my new Taysom Hill and just put them out there. I'm going to use this guy because I like him. But Javante Williams needs more. At least he was doing something in the passing game that kind of made it okay. But he's your best player. I don't think this talent is a kind of just dissipated. And I, I'm just really surprised on this Broncos offense. It's just weird. I mean, Russell Wilson – Looks good. He's making big plays downfield, but they just totally pivoted away from Sutton and Judy this week. They added extra running back. So I'm not sure what you get week to week with the Broncos. They play the Dolphins this week, which is some help, right? You look at yeah. Ramondre Stevenson and uh, the Chargers backs. They did really well against this front. They're really built to rush the passer. So this has to be the week they have to get Javonta Williams going. So if if he doesn't do it this week, Michelle, yeah, I'm, I'm now only looking at him as a – RB2 deep leaguer or flex play. I'm putting him on the bench if I don't see it against the Dolphins. Yeah, I think I'm already putting Javante on the bench until he shows me something. I'm not putting Alexander Madison on the bench yet. Uh, you know, week two wasn't pretty, but week one, 
it wasn't even the worst. I don't know if people are being a little harsh on Alexander Madison, I think, but he's getting all the snaps right in this backfield, 91 offensive snaps through two weeks. Ty Chandler's only had 18 and those are the only two running backs getting anything. Ty Chandler has four carries for zero yards. Like, Alexander Madison's a clear running back here. And I think they just had two really hard matchups with, against two good defensive lines with the Buccaneers and the Eagles. Both game scripts just called for more passing. The next four games, the Chargers, the Panthers, the Chiefs, which might not be the best, and the Bears. So, like, I, I think things will open up for him uh, over the next four games. So I'm still plugging him in. If he sucks against the Chargers, then I'll I'll consider benching him from there. Yeah, I think definitely the Vikings have realized we want Kirk Cousins to sling it here. And look, the results have been pretty good from Kirk Cousins. I mean, with the Justin Yeah, but it's Jefferson resulted in two losses as well. <laughs> yeah, I just don't think they're good enough, maybe. And that's my concern is, is it going to be like last year's team, except they're trailing and then they don't have the magic in the fourth quarter to win these games. And they like, okay, we're not running the ball. Like, I think they're going to find every quick avenue with Kevin O'Connell to say, we're not going to run the ball. So that's my concern. So I want Alexander Madison, however, to do two things. Hold on to the ball, get involved enough in the passing game, and score a few times. That's all we need out of him, to be honest with you, Michelle. I know you had higher expectations for him, but I have him as an RB2 slash flex play where I have some depth. So I'm going to play the matchups with him probably going forward. I'm not going to totally dump him. He's the lead back. He's getting volume. So you don't dump him. You keep him. And you're right, you sometimes have to play the matchups with these guys, but that's what we're doing. This is why we invest in wide receiver and other positions, because at least we know we're getting touches here. So, look, you're getting exactly what you thought you drafted in most cases with Alexander Madison. Now, I don't think he's going to shoot up to the RB1 lofty status anytime, but if you want to get enough and he's going to score enough times, I think you'll get that. So, yeah, I'm going to watch the Chargers matchup. It is really good this week. We've seen what uh, they've done. Last week, uh, Derrick Henry and Ty J. Spears looked pretty good. So let's hope Alexander Madison helps. But I see this maybe being two teams throwing 80% of the time. And let's just hope our backs get in the end zone in this game. <laughs> we had two uh, two big-name wide receivers kind of bust for us this, this week. Jamar Chase, like we already brought up, uh, yeah. 5.6 fantasy points and half PPR. A.J. Brown, 4.9 points. I'm not so much worried about A.J. Brown. He had the Bill Belichick matchup, you know, in week one where he likes to shut down their top guy. And then in week two, they just didn't need him, right? They're running nonstop, and they're doing great. So I think in week three, he'll come back. They're playing against the Buccaneers, good against the run. You can beat him through the air. Like, not worried about A.J. Brown. I am a little bit worried about Jamar Chase, especially if Joe Burrow – is now dealing with this injury. And either way, right, if he goes or can't go, I'm worried. Yeah, I, I'm okay still believing in Jamar Chase. I think maybe this Rams matchup will get him going. The Rams secondary is not very good. We know uh, Jamar Chase dusted Jalen Ramsey pretty well in the Super Bowl. He's not out there anymore. So maybe a chance to get well there at home in prime time. So Jamar Chase is a very good primetime player, so I'm hoping that this is a big Jamar Chase breakout game that we're looking for next week. So matchups sometimes can correct things. I mean, we just need to have Joe Burr out there. So not worried yet. He's too talented a player to give up on yet. But one guy and maybe two guys in the same game that we're looking at, Jahan Dotson, I do not get his usage. It looks like Sam Howell is enamored with whoever's a tight end, a healthiest time between John Bates and Cole Turner and Logan Thomas. He likes Terry McLaurin occasionally, 
then he likes the backs. But then you have no real involvement from Jahan Dotson. I do not know how that's possible. They have only three catches for 22 yards in a shootout. The same thing. How do you have uh, just three catches for 25 yards on the other side from Jerry Judy? These guys are supposed to be number twos with good matchups every week because they're not getting the attention. But I think I'm worried just because, I don't know, the quarterbacks don't seem to care that they're not getting these guys involved as we thought they should be. It is interesting with Dotson. He's not being used deep like I thought he was going to be used. So, and maybe the commander's offensive line is not looking great, right? Uh, There's getting a lot of pressure on Sam Howell pretty fast. So I think maybe that's why they're just doing shorter things and it's working. So I don't know if they're really going to change anything. I think you got to bench Jahan Dotson until you see his youth just move up. Jerry Duty, I don't know. Russell Wilson's just all over the place. One second he looks good, one second he doesn't. He's one of those guys you can plug in and hope for a high-ceiling game, but he's going to give you some of these busts. Uh, But, yeah, with Russell Wilson, it's just hard. I want to talk about three tight ends here before we get into our second segment of guys who had great performances. Uh, Che Conquo, George Kittle, and Kyle Pitts. Jay Conquo, it's just t- Ryan Tannehill spreading the ball all over the place. Now two games where he's really done absolutely nothing. So I- I'm off Chiga Conquo being a fantasy tight end this season until he gets like maybe an amazing matchup. Maybe I'll plug him in. Kyle Pitts, completely done with that dude. Five targets, two receptions, 15 yards. Another 2.5 fantasy day. Like how many games are we going to let him have under three fantasy points and keep starting him? George Kittle, it is what it is. There's too many weapons for the 49ers. And he's going to have these down games, and he'll have some huge games. Yeah, George Kittle, I mean, and they were talking about a little bit of the broadcast. Like, he's such a good blocker that in these type of games where they're controlling things with the running game and Christian McCaffrey is doing things, then they're just fine. Kittle being in that role, and he's fine with it too. And and when they have Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk taking turns making the big plays here, they're not going to throw to Kittle all that much. So Kittle needs the right kind of matchup, but maybe the Giants will provide that this week here. I, I think it's a pretty good spot for him. They struggled against the tight end last year, so maybe he'll get going this week. We've already had an Ayuk game. We've had a semi-Samuel game, so maybe this is a Kittle game coming up. So Kyle Pitts did get a nice end zone target. Of course, it sailed away from him because uh, Desmond Ritter could not hit him. So that's also my concern. At least Drake London could rebound in a tougher matchup. So, yeah, I'm done with Kyle Pitts. We burned him in the rankings last week, and it came to fruition here. So he's done in Chickaconquo. I mean, it's like the Greg Dolchich Conquo tier has not been very good, and uh, we should have maybe dug deeper. And uh, we've recommended them a lot in the show. Hunter Henry, Sam Laporta tier has been a lot better here at this point. So, yeah, Chigakonkwo, I just don't like the way the Titans passing game is operating right now. I really don't want to play any of their assets there with Ryan Tannehill, really Derek Henry, and maybe if Henry goes down, Ty J. Spears is the guy. But I'm not interested in playing any Titans, and that might include DeAndre Hopkins at this point because he's just not – that thrilling here in fantasy at this point with that passing game, exactly what we expected. So we'll look at some other side of the coin players here. The guys that actually did come through for fantasy, we've got all this bad stuff out of our system, Michelle. So we'll get into that in our next segment there. And then look at the early waiver wire to close the show here on locked on fantasy football. 
This episode of Locked On Fantasy Football is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to find faster free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. If you're looking for a new potential hire that is not going to let you down, we know they all feel like high stakes wagers for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's very easy to post a job on LinkedIn Jobs. You just add it and add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools such as screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockdownFL. That's linkedin.com slash LockdownFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. This episode of Locked on Fantasy Football is also brought to you by Price Picks, And uh, this is daily fantasy made easy for you. It's a uh, a good way to get in on the action for sure. And uh, Price Picks is the most fun that you can have playing. You can just uh, look in and uh, pick uh, two to six players. And if they get more or less than their Price Picks projection, you're going to get paid. You can expect quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and normal selection of player and stat types. That's what makes Price Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. So, Check it out. Some good stuff that we broke down for today's game. Uh, Michelle and I in uh, Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Michelle likes the more for the rushing yards of Nick Chubb and Najee Harris. Uh, for me, I love Chris Olave in that other Monday night game to go more than his uh, 70.5 receiving yards in that one against the Panthers. So some good ones to get in on tonight. It's a good time to play there, go to pricepicks.com slash LockedOnFL and use the promo code LockedOnFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's right. Uh, you'll get a first deposit match up to $100 there at Price Picks. Uh, check it out here. Price Picks, it's most fun you can have playing uh, Daily Fantasy. There again, pricepicks.com slash LockedOnFL. Use the code LockedOnFL. Deposit match up to $100. All right, Michelle, it is uh, time to get in our next segment and look at the players that were buying or selling here from their big performances on Sunday. And uh, we got to Daniel Jones. He was QB1 on the week. What a big game for him. It looked bad for a half, but then he exploded in the second half against Cardinals. And Jordan Love, second straight week with three touchdowns, Michelle. Yeah, I think Jordan loves the guy here that you can, you know, continue to keep playing. He gets the Saints, the Lions, the Raiders over the next three weeks. I think you can hold on to him and keep playing him if you need be. Daniel Jones, he gets the 49ers next week at San Francisco. No, thanks. Like, thank you for my help in a really great matchup in week two if you played him. But moving on from him after this week. We had some awesome running back performances by guys you did not draft early or draft at all, right? So some guys you drafted late, Brian Robinson, Rashad White, James Cook, all really great performances. 
um, because they got a lot of work, right? I, I think with Brian Robinson, that was shocking that he got so much work against the Broncos and did so well. 129 scrimmage yards, two scrimmage touchdowns. Uh, one of the top running back performances of the week. Are we trusting him moving forward? I mean, he's had 37 carries over the first two weeks. The next closest on the team is Antonio Gibson with five. So he is the workhorse back for the commanders. Yeah, I mean, James Cook, Rashad White, we know what the roles are, are for sure, and we are comfortable with them. They're going to get the volume. They're the lead backs. They're dealing with guys that are not coming into their workload, and they're very good receivers, and that helps. But that's the biggest surprise with Brian Robinson Jr. Now, Antonio Gibson, I thought, was going to be more involved, but apparently he can't get any of the coaching staffs to like him. He was not in the cards for him with Scott Turner. It's not in the cards for him with Eric Bieniemy. He fumbled and that was it. He was benched in week one. So they're just pivoting off him. And now that Brian Robinson can get involved, they're in the passing game and be more than a power back. And I don't see what the role is going to be here for Gibson going forward. I think you look at Eric Bieniemy, his history with Andy Reid. They like to have one back. If they have that back, can can do everything. Brian Robinson did. So he's in that league winner category michelle because we just kind of you know every ranking was hey take a shot at one of these guys brian robinson jr or antonio gibson and clearly there's a clear winner already in two weeks who the commanders want to go with so i'm buying into him and again any back that gets significant touches and high leverage touches with a chance to score i'm in on right now and this is why maybe Again, once again, chalk it up to going after tight end, wide receiver, quarterback early because these guys just keep emerging. Yeah, talking about a guy who got a lot of workload, Zach Moss for the Colts. He played like every running back snap available. Uh, No one else got a chance in this Colts backfield. And he looked really good. 107 uh, scrimmage yards, 88 yards on the ground on 18 carries, had 18.7 fantasy points and half PPR. Zach Moss has now started or has played nine games with 14 plus touches in his career. He's averaged 14.6 PPR games. Uh, sorry, 14.6 points per game over those nine games. He's a solid RB2 when he gets the touches. I know everyone likes to make fun of Zach Moss, but he's the clear lead back. He's a workhorse at this moment. I mean, I know it was just one week, but clearly the Colts love him and don't trust anyone else. Like, I think he's a guy you keep plugging him in until Jonathan Taylor gets back, if he ever gets back. Yeah, I mean, I, it was hard for me to recommend Zach Moss, but I've seen enough evidence. I didn't think they were going to go workhorse mode on him, but who else do they have? Deion Jackson looked terrible in week one. So interesting use of him, uh, kind of very much like uh, Miles Sanders was used for Shane Steichen last year. So I think you'll see more of this. I mean, I don't know if I'm loving his matchup this week against the Ravens. Uh, that could uh, cool him off. Yeah. So it might be more of a matchup-based game play here where I know they're going to get volume, right? If they are facing a good team like the Ravens that could pull ahead and put them in the negative game script, especially this week, potentially without Anthony Richardson uh, concussed there in the lineup, uh, then I might shy away. But matchup like this, I want to just wait and see. I didn't trust him even in a good spot against Houston. We saw that he got the volume, he got the work and came through. So they just don't want to, Carry into the backs here, and uh, Evan Hull's hurt, and Deion Jackson's not very good. It all lined up really well here for Zach Moss. Uh, another great position to be in. It's shocking. This is the most shocking performance, I think, of the week. It's it's two guys on the same exact team, Kyron Williams and Puka Nakua. And it's not because 
we didn't already know that, you know, they, they had the volume, right. But it was against the 49ers. So you think of running back against the 49ers, like, Oh, I know Kyron Williams did good in week one against the Seahawks. And it looks like he took over. And then even Cam Akers with a healthy scratch week two, they're trying to trade him, but he puts up a hundred scrimmage yards and two scrimmage touchdowns, 25 fantasy points against one of the hardest defenses, in the league Kyron Williams seems to be the steal of the year besides his teammate wide receiver Puka Nakua, who then gets 20 targets and 15 receptions against the 49ers. Like absolutely wild, what these two young guys are doing. Yeah. And all the credit goes to Sean McVay here. And the other interesting thing about the Rams is their offensive line has played fantastic. That was a question going in. They didn't allow a sack until very late in that 49ers game. And this is the 49ers pass rush we're talking about. So that offensive line is playing terrific here. They're protecting Matthew Stafford. They're getting Kyron Williams nice holes to run through. So got to credit McVay. I mean, this is why he's an offensive genius. He's making it work with Kyron Williams and Puka Nakua, two guys that we weren't even thinking about in fantasy. Now they're must play must yep. own 100% in every league. And maybe there's one more guy that we should be owning there as fantasy managers as well. We'll talk about him in our final segment there. But looking at it, I mean, yeah, you got to give credit to the Rams. I like it too. It's like, Nakua is good. Let's get him some more work. Kyron Williams is good. Let's get him some more work. And let's play the most talented people. So I wish yep. a few more coaches would do this and make it easier on us in fantasy. But and what's nice That's about what Kyron Williams is now he doesn't seem like we're going to have to worry about Cam Akers. It just seems like it's no. his backfield. So, yeah, both of these guys, you plug in and play every week until they prove otherwise. Mike Evans, I just wanted to hit on him really fast. I know he's a big name, so it shouldn't be shocking. He put up a huge performance, 171 yards and a touchdown. But with Baker Mayfield now, he's had two really good fantasy days, and he's been the better wide receiver uh, between him and Chris Godwin. So it seems like Baker and Evans have that connection, and Mike Evans might be you know, a top five wide receiver this year if he keeps this up. Yeah, I mean, I love the connection. I, I think what's going on here, and I wrote about it a little bit, is this is very parallel to what's going on from last year in Seattle. The DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, you have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. The targets are going through them. You have the quarterbacks coach, Dave Canales, is now the offensive coordinator. You worked with uh, Geno Smith. Now he's working with Baker Mayfield. So we might have a Baker Mayfield, Geno Smith type resurrection here. This is crazy. But Mike Evans, I mean, he's a future Hall of Famer. Let me, I'll just say this right now. He's consistent. He has 1,000 yards, pushes for 10 touchdowns every year. I didn't think we thought his ceiling was going to be this high. We thought, okay, he's getting a little older. Baker Mayfield's in there. How checked in is he going to be? But I think that contract thing is actually playing into Mike Evans' hands here to be special out there. And he's playing with a purpose. Like, he wants to be out there. He's commanding the ball. That's what I want to see from Mike Evans. You're big. You're fast. You're strong. Ask for the ball. Demand it. And uh, Baker Mayfield is giving it to him. And we love it. I, I think you there's a chance that Evans and uh, Chris Godwin, again, could really duplicate the numbers in the end of what we saw with Metcalf and Lockett last year. Yeah, I, Mike Evans seems to be a great value this year if you were to draft him in your leagues. And I love that for him and Baker Mayfield. Uh, Nico Collins puts up 
seven receptions, 146 yards, a receiving touchdown, talked about how he has a really great matchup. And he came through and he performed. I think he's a, a weekly play. He seems to be CJ Stroud's like I mean, CJ Stroud gave value to both Nico Collins, Tank Dell, and Robert Woods. Like he was supporting all of them in this last week. We'll talk more about Tank Dell in the last section, but Nico Collins seems to be that big play guy that you just want to plug in for those high weeks. And then Josh Reynolds of the Lions. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's not two good games for him in fantasy out of two weeks, two touchdowns. I I guess he is Jared Goff's second favorite wide receiver. Amon Ra is also dealing with a little bit of an injury apparently on his toe. I don't know. What do, what do you do with Josh Reynolds? Yeah, I mean, for now, Reynolds is playable. I mean, it's a good matchup this week against Atlanta. I mean, they do give up some points there to wide receivers. So uh, I know that they have one good corner there, but I think they could uh, move Josh Reynolds around a little bit. He's also a versatile receiver, and Jared Goff loves throwing to him. So there's that, and they have a good connection. I'm not sure his role is going to disappear too much, and we have to see Jameson Williams. I mean, this is an injury that could keep him out a little longer than – is uh, suspension here. So something to watch out there, but if Reynolds stays in that role. He's going to be busy here. Nico Collins. I don't think he's going away anytime soon, but keep in mind, I mean, it's Robert Woods. You got tank Dell. You got now John Mechie being a factor. Dalton Schultz. It, it might be product of really two good matchups for him against two secondaries that he burned. We'll see what happens uh, this week. Uh, you can't, I don't think you can say he's going to always do this. I don't think you can say he's going to be, this uh, wide receiver two that you're going to like every week. But for now, enjoy the matchups. He is the number one. And what's really helping is CJ Stroud is playing pretty well. So that's really helpful for Collins. Yeah, he is. And three tight ends to hit on here before we hit get to our last segment. Darren Waller. It's not surprising because this is what he's supposed to do. But it was nice to see right after week one disaster from the Giants and offense. Week two, he came out. He put up his six receptions, 76 yards, led the team with eight targets. Exactly what you want to see. And I think his ceiling's only higher now if Barkley has to miss any time because Saquon Barkley had the second most targets on the team. So if he misses time with that ankle injury, more targets should go to Waller. Uh, Zach Hurts, it's just doing what Zach Hurts does. Six receptions, 56 yards. Uh, led the team with his 56 yards. It would all the targets go to Hollywood Brown and Zach Hurts. That's it. Uh, since yeah. la- the start of last year, he averages the third most receptions per game among tight ends behind only Travis Kelsey and TJ Hawkinson. Like, he just gets targets and receptions. He's not fun. He just does it. But the next two matchups, Cowboys and 49ers, that's kind of unfortunate. And then our boy, Sam Laporta, five receptions, 63 yards. You keep playing him. He's so good. I love watching him uh, play out there. Like for a rookie in these first two games, I love seeing him next week. He gets the Falcons. Great matchup. Yeah, and uh, he uh, can put up some numbers. Maybe maybe we'll finally get in the end zone. I think that is the only thing we're looking for from him now to really just say, He's here and arrived as a tight end we want to look at and clearly separated himself right now from the other rookie tight ends. Zach Ertz is Zach Ertz. I mean, they don't have much else. It's Marquise Brown actually being involved and looking good is going to help, and Josh Dobbs playing well. So I do like these guys. I mean, this position is pretty tough after basically Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson. So all these guys are going to come into play, and uh, that's what we have to look at here. And uh, we will uh, look at the, some uh, waiver wire early players to uh, put on your list here before we expand there tomorrow. Yes, we will. 
This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Enjoy the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can be on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on, and you will get uh, – if you bet $5, you'll get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, Benny, before we get to our um, big waiver wire show tomorrow, let's just name two guys that are our top priority that we just want to shine a light on before we get to our Tuesday show. Yeah, Josh Reynolds is my guy here. I mean, you have to go after him now that, look, it's two good games in a row. He's involved in this offense. This offense is scoring a lot of points now. So Reynolds is going to be involved. So you have to go after him. I mean, uh, kind of a 1B for me is Craig Reynolds. We heard uh, Dave Montgomery is going to miss some time. So two Reynolds on the Lions. Uh, that's what we're down to. So he's going to get some touches here with Jameer Gibbs in the backfield. So same last name on the Lions. Don't get confused. If you need a wide receiver or running back, don't put the claim in for the wrong guy. But uh, those are the guys that uh, I think will have roles on this team uh, going forward, at least for the short term. Yeah, I, I think Josh Reynolds at this point, he's, I think he reminds me of DJ Chark last year where DJ Chark was playable and good plus matchup. So if it's a plus matchup that you expect there to be a lot of points or if Amon Ross St. Brown does end up missing time, I don't think he will, but we'll, we'll see what his practice report looks like. Reynolds is a, is a must add there. I have two wide receivers as well um, that I want to pick up. Tank Dell, he led the Texans with 10 targets in week two. Seven receptions, 72 yards, and a touchdown. Like to see his usage going up just in his second NFL game. He's just a really good wide receiver. And I think, like, I still think Nico, Coll- Nico Collins will be that guy who has the splash plays, has the higher ceiling. But I do think Tank Dell should start to eat into more and more of Robert Woods' product- production. Um, so I want to add him now before you know, he goes off again and then 2-2 Atwell, second good game in a row against the 49ers again. Yeah, Puka Nakua is the top dog there, but after that, it's 2-2 Atwell, nine targets, seven receptions, 77 yards, especially in PPR leagues. Like, I want to add 2-2 Atwell. Like, in standard, I don't think he's going to score a ton of touchdowns. He's smaller, but in a PPR league, I think he's a really nice add in value. Yeah, and everyone thinks, okay, Cooper Cup's going to be back and he's going to kill these guys' value, but they're going to be involved here. They've faded out Van Jefferson. Tyler Higby to some degree. Ben Skoranek is nobody. So this offense is going to maybe go through Kyron Williams and these three receivers. And there's no guarantee Cooper Cup is going to be healthy here with a hamstring and he's older and all that. So these guys could continue to be dominant targets here. Puka and Tutu, great names to say and fun (laughs) names to say, but also fun because they're putting up some fantasy numbers here. And uh, one more thing I will mention here. So we'll watch the Saquon Barkley injury. Look, it's not a good matchup this week with the 49ers, but Matt Breida is also on the list. Also not a player I love recommending, but he's right now the best back. Um, they're not sure between the young backs, Gary Brightwell and Eric Gray, who's going to be the guy there. So it could be messy. Matchup isn't great, but that's what we thought about Kyron Williams, and he came through. And uh, don't forget, it's a revenge game for Matt Breida, the former 49ers. So 
if he gets volume, I think you can consider him, especially if you're hurting without Saquon Barkley. And again, it's tough luck. This is when you have to look at the waiver wire to help with your injury issues. Michelle, do you trust any of these Giants backs? I know it's hard to, but you might have to plug and play one. No, I'll keep an eye on the usage in next week if Barkley were to miss. But I, it could be Eric Gray. Like they, they had high things to say about him. I don't expect Matt Bree to do a whole lot. Again, I didn't expect Kyron Williams to do a whole lot against the 49ers. And also, it seems like it's just like a regular ankle sprain for Barkley. We'll get more confirmation on that. So he'll probably miss a game or two at most. So I'm not too worried about making them a priority pickup. It's just a guy, if you desperately need an RB2, maybe you can trust Bray. In, uh, in week three. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's what happens. I mean, nobody can replace those type of backs very easily. In some cases, you can, as we saw with Kyron Williams, if the top back falters. But yeah, I mean, you can't expect big things necessarily all the time with from the understudies. It depends on the situation blocking, and uh, the Giants are not to the high end there at all. So we'll watch that one for sure, and we'll have a lot more for you. There on tomorrow's show. Thanks for making Locked on Fantasy Football your first listen every day. Every day, we will break down the waiver wire for week three in full for you tomorrow as we turn the page from week two to week three. For Locked on Fantasy Football, this has been Vinny Iyer. And I'm Michelle Majuk. Bye, y'all.